Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Kane Pittman, I've already dispatched of the <laughs> locked on nets guys. You ready? You ready for this? <laughs> well, listen, we uh, look. We have history with uh, dispatching the boys from Locked On Nets. We did it twelve months ago <laughs> last year as well. So I feel like we're coming together, understanding the feeling. I feel like I, feel like I want to do like a little pinky like handshake. <laughs> thing. That's uh, right. This is going to be fun, man. Let me just start with this. This is going to be fun. I, I, I joked about the that but this i think celtics and bucks has the potential to be a very good long series um however however i think we just need to get out up front the injury situation because what we have here is as far as on the day that we're recording this the possibility of chris middleton being out for the entire series and kind of sort of a concern on the Boston side that Jalen Brown might, he's expected to play. He's expected to be there for game one. However, the there's a little bit of a, it's it's not 100% sure that he's going to play because he's got that hamstring tightness, which has been a recurring thing for him over the course of his career. So so let's let me just throw it out to you first. What impact are these injuries going to have on this series? Well, for the Bucs, it's significant. And when you talk about a series that I think if everyone was healthy, I, I totally agree with you. I think it's it has potential to be one of those series where a lot of people will look back and say, okay, well, these were the two best teams in the conference. Whoever won this series moved through. Now, there's a lot of water to go under the bridge before that is the case. Uh, but you're talking about two teams that can be elite defensively. And for the Bucs, the loss of Chris Middleton, where it's really going to hurt them. I don't think it hurts them too much defensively, actually. I think they've got the guys that can cover that. But where it's going to be a real struggle, I think, is on the offensive end. Because if you do look at the Milwaukee team and you look at the way that they can score, and I think they'll still be able to put points up. But if it turns into a half-court game, it's late in the fourth quarter, go back to the run last year, Chris Middleton was the guy that can get his own shot, would hit all the big shots, was insane in last year's championship run. So for the Bucs, the big concern is who's going to create their own shot? When things get difficult, who's going to bail them out? Who's going to be that guy? Which we know you need in the postseason. Now, I would say the challenge going up against Boston is they've got two guys that can do that with Tatum and Brown. Now, if, as you say, if Brown is limited, then maybe it evens the playing field a little bit. But certainly with no Middleton, I think it's a major advantage to the Celtics. I think it's hard to deny that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm having seen what Chris Middleton does. That's right. To the Boston Celtics, <laughs> especially over the course of my life and his career, um, I would say that Celtics fans are very happy that yeah. uh, you know no one roots for an injury, but uh, Chris Middleton missing the series is not unwelcome mm-hmm. news for Celtics fans, and you know, unfortunate that this would be the case, um, but here we are, and. I, I'm not so sure. I think Jalen's going to be okay. 
Mm-hmm. But it, if it was, if they said, oh, it's a quad or, oh, it's a calf, I'd be, I'd feel better about this. The fact that they said it's his hamstring, it's like, oh no, the hamstring again, that that's something that you just, you, you can't, you can't mess around with. And I'm really questioning whether they, do they push him a little bit? Do they put a wrap on it? Do they do something to try to make sure that he's okay? And, and, and it's, it's flexible, whatever they need to do to make, make it not actually pull. Uh, do, do they, do they do that and send them out there? Or do they say, all right, look, they don't have Middleton. We're going to take this one extra day mm-hmm. or a couple extra. Day. I, I, I really don't know what, what route they go with, with that. I, I feel like though, you don't want to give up the advantage and, and hopefully his, his hamstring is fine. The, the, the problem with this though, is you can go out there and say, okay, it's fine. Go to their game one and it's okay. And if there's an accumulative effect, okay, maybe you can get by the bucks, but then all of a sudden, if you don't have Jalen Brown and if the Celtics do get by the bucks, then you're, you're basically saying, well, you're, you're not going to, you, you might not get by the next round or, or win a championship or whatever. So there's, there's going to be some level of caution there. I'm very curious to see where the Celtics land on that. But without without Chris Middleton, assuming that that Jalen Brown is is fully healthy, then I I think that 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 might be enough to tip the series in Boston's favor. I mean, you, I don't want to get into predictions just yet because we still have to figure out how these teams are going to play each other. Um, let me let me ask you this: What if anything, did you see? Did you see anything in that first round from Boston that makes you think, "Uh-oh, um, this this is going to be harder than I thought"? Well, I think that again, it comes back to how I look at how the Bucks are going to attack offensively now. So, I think that the problem for Milwaukee is going to be again shot creation because you're talking about a Celtics team that is willing to switch as much as any team in the league which if you don't have guys that can break down defenders one-on-one, if you don't have guys that can create good looks and you're, you're running all sorts of stuff and the Celtics is like, okay, well, we don't really care. We're happy to have Marcus Smart on Giannis. We're happy to have Al Horford on Giannis. We're happy to have Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, whoever it is in any pick and roll scenario, then I can see that the Bucks could get potentially bogged down in this series. And that is ultimately why I think the Celtics are, are a major threat in this series. And it's why ultimately I think that they're the favorites in this series heading in with most uh, outside pundits. I guess the interesting thing from my point of view that I would ask you, and this is something I brought up on our show yesterday, because I think that a lot of people away from watching the Celtics day in, day out and being inside it have taken a long time to catch on to the fact that the Celtics are really damn good. And I think that's fair enough. We watched this team for a while and it's like, okay, yeah, well, we know the core of the Celtics. Uh, They're around a 500 team. And then slowly but surely, they did it to the point where I think it's 30 out of 36 games or whatever they've won. So at what point did you think that this team was legit? And why are they legit now? And what has changed? Because I do think they are a team that has snuck up on a lot of people, including probably many of our listeners at Locked On Bucks. Sure. Yeah. This is, this is, you know, not to tout the, uh, well, yeah, to tout the, the, the power of the network. This is why we have the local host, right. To, because I think, I think this Celtics team is a, a tough team. When I, when I was talking to the guys at locked on nets, I think one of the things that fueled their optimism 
against the Celtics were numbers like, oh, look at their numbers in, in the clutch and their, their crunch time numbers are really bad. And you look at some of those things, and if you're not paying attention like up close day to day, looking at the trends, you'd say, yeah, the Celtics are a bad crunch time team. And then the Celtics go into Brooklyn and win all four games, all four games go into crunch time. They close all four of them out. So what changed, there, there were three kind of things that, that were working somewhat simultaneously. Number one, uh, go back to early January, that loss against the New York Knicks where R.J. Barrett hits a game-winning shot at the buzzer and the Celtics had a 20-point lead in the fourth quarter and they blew that game and it was just another one. It was another one in the pile, but it was that was like the last straw. And I think one part one of this three-part thing is they understood at that moment if we're doing things our way in the, the players, isolating down the stretch, uh, instead of listening to the coach, we're going to be like, hey, I'm Jason Tatum. Hey, I'm Jalen Brown. I can go against these double teams. I'm supposed to be the guy that's closing out these games. And they just kept banging their head against the wall, turning the ball over late, running terrible offense late, collapsing. That was the point where they were like, okay, we're going to try it coach's way. And the ball movement – the, the, you know, one of the big things for Tatum is drawing to and setting things up for a teammate. You saw it in the Brooklyn series, drawing to, kicking it out to the corner, Grant Williams hitting big-time three-pointers. That was something that, that Jason Tatum wasn't in, in, entirely willing to do at the beginning of the season. So step one is they're, they're, they've had enough of the horrible losses that have put them at that point, 18 and 21, and they say, okay, we're going to do a coach's way. So they buy in. Number two, they get healthy. There's There were nagging injuries, lingering injuries, COVID. They got through all of their COVID cases. They got through all of their injuries. They got healthy. So for the first time all season, everybody was there and everyone was kind of getting ready to assume their normal roles. Most notably, Marcus Smart as the starting point guard because part three is – the minimization and ultimate trade of Dennis Schroeder, and then you add Jason, uh, Josh Richardson to that mix. The reason why that was impactful is Schroeder, to a big degree, Richardson, to a smaller degree, were, were not the ball movers that the Celtics needed. Richardson did a good job for Boston, but was still holding the ball too much, isolating too much, needed to, needed to you know, dribble a bunch to get his shot off. Schroeder was just a ball stopper. <laughs> and he's just, you know, anybody who's seen Dennis Schroeder play more than once can knows exactly what I'm talking about. You know, the walking the dog up the floor and, you know, letting the defense get set. So those guys going out, Derek White coming in, Daniel Tice coming in to, you know, at that point, to a lesser degree, he became more important later on. But now Marcus Smart's your point guard. Derek White's your backup, can play alongside at the two. Now you got ball movers. Now you've got Marcus Smart in the role that he was supposed to be doing, playing that role very, very well. Everybody's bought in. Everybody's healthy. Now they're starting to defend. Now they're starting to run some offense, and that's the beginning. And once they started to see, oh, wow, this works, then Jason Tatum becomes great. Jalen Brown becomes really, really good. And Robert Williams be just blossoms 
Marcus Smart really blossoms in his role. Guys, the role players start to, to blossom. So all of those things coming together were just this, this big confluence of events that just made it go, oh, boom. It was just the right mixture of things that made that, that got Boston on this path. It's been, as I said, I think it snuck up on a lot of people. And I, I, still, I do think that there is a level of confidence, certainly from what we get from the YouTube comments and Twitter and all the, the Bucks fans. I think there's a level of confidence even without Chris Middleton that the Bucks are going to win this series. Now, I, I do think that, again, if you haven't been paying attention to the Celtics, you might be in for a little bit of a shock, for, as John points to, the way their offense functions perhaps uh, differently to how we've seen it certainly in the past we can get into more matchups and stuff like that but i want to talk about our friends at built bar uh the best tasting protein bar that's ever been made john as you know and as i love ones, well what, what's your favorite flavor then so this is the thing we talk about a lot so i personally yeah. am into the into the coconut flavors which seems to be a controversial a opinion no i like those i'm it's not my favorite but i will yep. i will uh, I, I haven't had a I haven't had one that, that's necessarily bad. I love the peanut butter ones, which went away and came back recently. So um, those are awesome. Salted caramel is is a, a real favorite of mine, though. The I like I like the combination of salt and chocolate. Uh, that's that's a real hit for me. Well, the point is, if you don't know what flavor of Built Bar you want to try, you can get a mix box. You can come with twelve different flavors of the bars and the puffs as well. And the good news is that they're healthy for you, which, again, can be a little bit hard to believe. But 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. So uh, as you guys know, if you compare that to any standard candy bar, uh, it's uh, it doesn't compare. This is way more healthy than anything else and tastes uh, even better. So with the deal we've got for you guys, go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. So, all right, let's let's get let's get a little deeper in here. Um, I look at what the Celtics are going to do defensively mm-hmm. on Giannis, and I think without Middleton, it's going to be a problem for you guys because I think the switching defense is going to be something that um, is is problematic in 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 what I'm. One of the X factors that I'm looking at here is Robert Williams, like I was mentioning before, his ability to roam off of people. And what the Celtics have done throughout the course of the season is they've put him on kind of like a non-shooter or a weak shooter out on the perimeter, and he's kind of roamed off of that player. And I'm I'm wondering, like, do they do they put him on, on Wesley Matthews? Do they put him on or, or do, do they start him on um, – Brooke Lopez or, or whomever. I, I don't know how they use him, but uh, I, I, I'm tempted to say they put him on, on Wes and say, all right, let's see if, if, if you can find Matthews wide, wide open and he hits the shots. Fine. I think if you are tempting somebody like Giannis to throw that pass, the Celtics can find ways to rotate over and challenge that, um, which would be more ideal, but he can still get those shots I think you start Jason Tatum on on Giannis, and then whoever you want to set a, set a pick. If Jalen Brown switches onto him, fine. If Marcus Smart switches onto him, fine. Al Horford, fine. I think I'm fine with anybody that switches onto him, so long as they can stay in front of him. 
And if you if you can tempt him into a spin move, which he loves to get into that spin move, then you can jump that and maybe force a turnover or two, and now you're off to the races. I think I think that's that's the type of defense I expect uh, against Giannis. Now, having laid out Ime Odoka's direct game plan, which he's going <laughs> to steal from me, <laughs> what do you think the counter is that? What do you think the Bucks? can do if Giannis is walled off how do you think the Bucks can handle that yeah so I think there's a couple things that they'll need to do and Giannis specifically will need to do and we kind of saw a little bit honestly in the first couple of games of this series against Chicago where ultimately the Bucks started hitting three so first of all if those role players you speak of whether it's Wesley Matthews Grayson Allen Pat Connaughton all these guys if they're not hitting threes it's going to be very, very difficult for the Bucs to do anything. But ultimately, if Giannis is patient, and sometimes it takes him, as it does with the Milwaukee Bucks, who have historically under Mike Budenholzer been an absolutely awful game one team, if it takes, it typically takes the Bucs a little while to work their way into the series. But what we've seen is Giannis, he starts to say, okay, what am I seeing here? Okay, how do I need to be patient? How can I impact games? So when you talk about the passes and trying to read where he's going to pass the ball, uh, he's become... So much better than he was. Even last time uh, the Bucs played the Celtics in the postseason, at passing, finding the right guys, being patient, not always going to the spin move, being aware of the fact that Marcus Smart is going to be there if you go to the spin move and he's going to try and take a charge on you and get you off the floor. So he has become more aware of those types of things. I think the other thing that'll be important with the Bucs offense, because I do think, and this is, I've changed my mind over the last couple of days. I thought originally that the Bucs would not stay with a bigger lineup with Portis, Lopez, and Giannis. But I'm kind of thinking that they will. And the reason why I'm thinking that they'll stick with that lineup is because they have, over the last two seasons, gotten a lot better, including with Giannis, at using the guy in the dunker spot. And I think that they're going to have to make sure that they engage, whether it's Robert Williams, whether it's Al Horford, with Bobby Portis, or maybe even more importantly, Brooke Lopez standing there in the dunker spot, and ensuring that all the focus can't be in the paint on Giannis, then they can create, uh, put eyes in other directions, and then they can find those shooters on the outside. And the other point is, Drew Holiday is going to have to make some shots. Let's be honest. He's going to have to average 25 points per game in this series. He's a streaky offensive player. He's had been great in the regular season, but even last year in the postseason run, he was streaky in the playoffs shooting the ball. Uh, he's going to have to average 25 points. It's kind of a simple formula for the Bucs, uh, but Drew Holiday has to be great. And they have to find a way to maximize Brook Lopez, not in your traditional sense of posting him up, but in terms of finding him for lobs, finding him rolling to the basket, using him in that dunker spot. I think they're just going to have to engage guys that way. Yeah, I, I feel like if you if you have Brook in the dunker spot, I, I'm I'm trying to play this whole thing out in my head where where guys would be positioned because if it's Drew, Giannis, Brook, um. Uh, you'd have Matthews and Portis. That mm -hmm. would be the lineup. Yeah. So how do you space in that? Do you go empty corner and have Portis and um, Matthews on the opposite side and you just tempt, uh, maybe you just don't have the help on one side and, and hopefully that, I would say, you don't have help on that that side that Giannis is driving. You hope the big steps up and there's nobody to to – to go down but then at that point you're trusting your the Celtics would be trusting their weak side defense to handle any sort of skip pass 
and Robert Williams would just be kind of like laying there on the opposite block, just far enough away. And then as soon as Giannis rises up, if if he's not getting to the rim, boom, you go you go to Brook. And if that pass is going to Brook and he's going to go up, you're going to see Rob come out from the other side and block that shot. That That's what I would think the counter would be. And that's why Robert Williams is such an X factor because if he's just kind of lurking, he's going to play defense like Giannis plays defense a lot. Mm-hmm. He's, he's just going to be like, if he's lurking and you're not really aware of him, then he he has the potential to come out of nowhere and block some of these shots. And if he blocks a shot there, then that thing's going the other way and the Celtics are going to get some easy points in transition. I think points are going to be a premium in this series. <laughs> and it's going to be like, it's going to be that rule, the, the first team to 100 wins, because I don't know that you get to 100 points in every game this series. No, well, uh, particularly not in game one. I already mentioned to you, I, I think this is with a, with a noon game, with extended break, really for both teams, but particularly the Celtics, uh, yeah. it has all the hallmarks of an ugly game one. And I've already said, if there's one thing you can almost guarantee with the Milwaukee Bucks, they are not hitting shots in game one. They are going to be awful in game one. <laughs> Everyone already understands that that's going to be the case. Uh, you've mentioned Robert Williams a bit. We're assuming that he's obviously going to, to come in and start. Uh, it, the interesting thing about the Celtics, when you go back to that series, obviously Tice... Was, was starting and he was playing big minutes. But you're basically down to eight guys. If you, depending on if Tice plays, I guess he's the ninth guy. Uh, I guess we'll see what happens there. Uh, is there anything that would make you think that there would be any change to the to the Celtics lineup with a guy like Derek White? Or you think they'll, it suits them with Giannis to start with Al Horford and Robert Williams? I think that's going to be the plan. I think you go because that lineup has been just tremendous. The 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 net rating yeah. of that that starting five has been off the charts. So you you just roll with that. You don't you don't mess with it. Even if you go big, then that's fine. I think you, in that in that lineup, you know you could trust Marcus Smart anywhere. Um, mm-hmm. So you can have I would I would start Horford on on Brook. I would start Tatum on Giannis. And then you know I could put Jalen on 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 Portis, I assume, uh, Smart on Holiday, and then I'd have Rob on Matthews, just kind of like roaming, like basically a free safety. He's not really on Matthews; he's not playing anybody. So, uh, and and I would assume that if they see that configuration, the Bucks would try some sort of of counter, uh, and it may be to put Matthews probably at the top of the key maybe maybe you 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 bring him you you start running some actions where he's actually initiating things at the top so you bring Robert Williams away from the rim we'll see how that goes um but i think i think starting that configuration with with Horford and Robert Williams is the absolute way to go and if even if Milwaukee sniffs out some kind of weird thing with Robert Williams they'll just put Robert Williams somewhere else and and say fine if that's how you want to do it then we'll put we'll put Rob on, you know, Portis and and dare you that way. Like you, you can't have Bobby Portis bring the ball up, and we'll just do it that way. So I think I think the Celtics will adjust however they need to adjust. Uh, and offensively, that lineup you want to switch sides of the ball. Maybe maybe I'll tease my my thought on this and get your answer on the other side. I think Robert Williams is the the X factor on the other side of the ball. If he's his old self. My biggest fear here is Brooke Lopez at, at the rim defensively. Mm-hmm. That is my biggest fear defensively. 
I, because I'm aware of Giannis. I know what Giannis can do. He's going to make his 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 crazy defensive plays. And I don't want to say it that I don't fear Giannis, but Giannis to me is a known entity, and you can almost kind of say, okay, just be aware and you know look over your shoulder a little bit. He's going to have that crazy defensive impact. He's a potential defensive player of the year for a reason. But that rim protection with Brook Lopez and Giannis kind of like hovering is is where you have like real problems. But if you can pull Brook away with an elite lob threat like Robert Williams. That might actually clear the path for Jason Tatum to get to the rim. All right, let's let's chew on that cane while I talk about bet online and tell you that you you might be onto something here. I mean, you you are onto something. You know the Bucks better than anybody. The the Bucks clearly uh, bet online understands that they're not a great game one team because the Celtics <laughs> are favored by four and a half in in game one. Um, and the over-under is, is uh, 110. So, wait, no. That doesn't, the over-under is uh, 218, 218. So, I think I would take the under on that one. Me too. Me too. <laughs> if, the, if that's really right, the over-under is is 218. And a, oh, my God. On a Sunday afternoon, Come hammer on. the under on that Come at on. Bet Online. Uh, you can go to Bet Online. .net, your number one source for all your betting stats and info, the latest developments, uh, league news, everything with the basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball. But you go to Bet Online, you can find all sorts of things in game betting, uh, props, odds, uh, sports wagering information. You can bet on esports, which, you know, go, go for it if you want to. Uh, head on <laughs> over to the website today, use your mobile device, learn about the trends in action. Uh, bet Online is where the game starts. We just ask you to please gamble responsibly. All right, Kane, what do you think? You think Robert Williams rolling down the middle of the lane, could that be enough to neutralize or at least minimize Brooke at the rim as a defender? Well, the problem that the Bucs are going to have in this series, which they have not had to worry about at all with the Chicago Bulls, is the fact that the Celtics will shoot threes, which when you go in the pick-and-roll scenario, obviously it changes the thing. Now, against Chicago, you look at what the Bucs try and do, and that's why you could start Portis, and you could start Lopez, and you could start Giannis, and you're just like, fellas, hang out at the free-throw line. The Chicago Bulls are not going to shoot threes. Go under the screens. DeMar DeRozan isn't going to shoot the three. Well, you're going to be in trouble if you're doing that against Tatum, you're doing that against Brown. So I... I think you're going to see, uh, or I think the key for the Bucks defensively, and you talk about what Robin William, uh, Robert Williams can do, and clearly Brook Lopez, if he's at his best when he's playing that drop coverage, they don't want him too far up on the perimeter. But that's where the two guys, Drew Holiday and Wesley Matthews, are going to be key. And maybe some Locked On Celtics listeners will be going, Wesley Matthews, really? Is this the matchup you're going to have for Tatum <laughs> or Jalen Brown? And I would not blame anyone for thinking about that because this man wasn't on a roster at the start of the season and the Bucs just picked him up out of nowhere. Uh, but he's been pretty spectacular defensively, honestly, and he's got the biggest defensive jobs uh, for the Bucs since he's been there and done a pretty good job, whether it's Steph Curry, whether it's Kevin Durant, whether it's Jimmy Butler. I assume he's going to get one of the players. I, I'm guessing he's going to start on Jason Tatum in this series. So uh, to me, the key for the Bucs defensively is defend one-on-one. -on -one, and it's very, very simple. But... Unlike the Bulls, 
the Celtics are going to have Grant Williams in the corner. They're going to have Al Horford who will stay at the top. And he he's not he's still not the most willing shooter, but he will shoot it. Marcus Smart, we know, is going to get up probably eight threes a game in this series. So to me, <laughs> so to me, the key for the Bucs is trust Drew Holiday, trust Wesley Matthews, and let these guys defend. And then you have got Giannis and you've got Brooke Lopez behind them lurking around in the paint. So uh, to me, uh, helping too much has, has always been a little bit of an issue with the Bucs. They need to trust these two guys. But this is where Middleton wouldn't have got one of those defensive assignments, in my opinion, anyway. I think even if Middleton's in the series, it's Holiday and Wesley Matthews. But you lose depth. And what happens if Drew Holiday gets in foul trouble? Okay, well, now it's Pat Connaughton. What happens if Pat Connaughton gets in foul? And then all of a sudden, the depth mm-hmm. is not there. You lose a big wing, which playing against the Celtics is absolutely critical. So to me, defending one-on-one is the key. The one thing I will say with this series, I'm anticipating, and this is generally what happens in the playoffs anyway, but I'm anticipating this is going to be a super physical series. And I think oh, if, yeah. and it, I, I, and look, you may, you probably feel the same way about the Celtics because I think they're built similarly, but I've always said this. If the refs are letting stuff go, uh, there will always be Bucks fans that will complain that Giannis isn't getting enough calls, whatever. To me, if the officials are letting it go and they're letting it physical, they're letting it be a physical basketball game, it suits the Bucks. They're a tough team. They've got big bodies. You've got Drew Holiday who defends. He doesn't mind getting physical. So I think if the, if the officials are willing to let this game be played and be physical, then it helps the Bucs. I, I, I would say I would disagree with that. Um, it, I mean, it may the Bucks may like it, but the Celtics like it too. Um, yeah. and Ime Udoka has has said just directly, we we go by the the mantra of they can't call them all, they can't call all the fouls. So don't be afraid. Like that, he's told Derek White, if anything, if there's only there's one player on the Celtics that isn't a physical player right now, and it's Derek White. And Ime has been like, don't be afraid to get a foul. Go in. You can get in there. Just push. Find where the line is. And that, that's where I think the Celtics are really good when it comes to physical basketball. Just push. Just find the line and and kind of tow it. And you've got six fouls. So don't be afraid. To just go. You want to get one early? Fine. Get one early. Just understand. Like, just find where that line is. And if the if these two teams – want to go out there and put like brass knuckles in their shorts and, uh, <laughs> you know, get their surgical two by four and just start whacking each other. If the referees say, Hey, you know what? We're going to look the other way on this. Then you got yourself a table, table ladders and chairs match for however many games this thing lasts. And let's, let's rock because I feel like the Celtics, I, the bucks for sure. They're a big, tough team. They'll love it. The Celtics will love it. Yeah. Uh, I, as an old school basketball lover, a kid who grew up in the eighties, uh, who is no longer a kid anymore, as you can tell on YouTube <laughs> by my beard. Uh, I, I don't mind that either. I think ultimately it, I don't know that it suits either team. Mm-hmm. I think it just is two teams that would be like, all right, let, let's rock. And then at the end of the series, one team is going to hope that this, they, they can get it done in five or six and the other series goes seven, so they can get a little extra time in the ice bath, and that's that. I that's where I think that goes. So I don't know, man. Well, we're like half an hour into this podcast here. How how are we feeling? Do do we want to get into predictions now? Do you, is is there any other X factor here that you think? What what's the one thing? Let me ask you this: If the Bucks win the series, how's it going to happen? If they well. 
this is this is the interesting thing because if the Bucks win the series, and this is a, a very simple answer, but you've spoken about all the ways that the Celtics can throw guys at Giannis, but ultimately we've seen in playoff series before where it hasn't mattered and he's been able to overcome that and he's just simply been too good. And I could try and be clever and say that Drew Holiday averaging 25 points a game is a difference maker or Brooke Lopez scoring 20 points a game is a difference maker. But ultimately, without Chris Milton, Giannis, the Bucs are going to win this series and if they win this series, it's because Giannis has been absolutely unstoppable Mm -hmm. and he's been the superstar that he is. And there's no point in me even trying to be tricky about it. He's the best player in the series, we believe. If he wins this series without Middleton... I think we're going to look back and say he was pretty special. Here, here's here's an X factor that I want to make sure that you and the Locked On Bucks listeners are very much aware of, and how dirty and cheap the Boston Greeks are, of which I am one. Okay, I'm a Greek. <laughs> uh, the Greek Independence Day parade is on May first. Now, mm. Greek Independence Day is March 25th. But they're throwing the parade on May 1st, which is game one, and the parade's at 1 o'clock. They're very clearly, obviously, trying to get Giannis Antetokounmpo distracted by all the Greek food and Greek festivities that are going outside of Boston to get to throw him off his game. That's, that's how much Boston wants to win this Wait series. a second. Wait, that's, that's Sunday at the, at the same time as tip-off? The Greek Independence Day parade... Again, Greek Independence Day is March 25th, but the parade is at the exact same time as tip-off on Sunday. So I didn't think. So I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna counter that. I don't think that they're trying to distract Giannis because nothing can distract Giannis. This man is like a uh, like is like a robot. <laughs> but I tell you why really? this is going to be effective. This is going to be effective because it may take away some of the Greek fans that would come into the garden, which, by the way, I've been there for playoff basketball. That place is an absolute madhouse. I, Mad, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm fully aware. Absolutely insanity. But if you could get some Greek fans in there, at least maybe the Bucks would have some support. So they're, yeah. trying, to keep, they're trying to keep the Greek fans out. So that's what this is. This, that's that's exactly what they're doing. Maybe my credential won't work when I get into the building. No <laughs> Greeks allowed that's on right. Sunday. Um, if the Celtics win this series, I think a couple of things are happening. It, it's... It's kind of on the same lines as as what I said at the in the net series, and this just might be if the Celtics win a championship, this mm-hmm. is how it's going to go. Jason Tatum with the seven plus assists, and he averaged seven and a half or something like that in the series against Milwaukee. I mean, against Brooklyn. If he does it against Milwaukee, I think the thing that that changes a little bit against the Bucks is where those assists go. And and I, actually, I, I should rescind that because a lot of his assists went to the corners. It's going to be the corner three. That's mm-hmm. going to be it's going to be the three pointers that Milwaukee gives up. And if Grant Williams is shooting forty something percent, fifty percent, if if Derek White can start hitting a couple of these, uh, but more so if the Celtics can start. And I, I outlined this on my podcast yesterday, but you know the old the, the Spurs hammer play the, the the hammer screen where the pick and rolls on one side and you you screen for a guy to get open in the corner on the other side i feel like we're going to see a lot of those types of plays from from the celtics and it's going to be tatum getting his way into the middle you're going to run that with with robert williams and you're going to suck everybody in because rob has that gravity that vertical spacing and that's gonna that's gonna allow for guys on the on the weak side to get picked off and for those passes to either go baseline or over the top and to for the celtics to get some clean looks from three. If Tatum is assisting on those corner threes, 
and those are starting to fall, then forget it. And and, and if Tatum is also getting those assists to ride those corner threes, if if in in the 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 beauty of like just that one play, if the team's over, if the team overreacts and says no, we're going to sell out to that corner. We know it's going there. Tatum can adjust and just be like, no, this is going to rob. This is going to be a lob, or I'm going to lay it in. So it really the triple threat of that is going to be the 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 real thing. If the Celtics are executing plays like that, and Tatum is reading and making the right play and 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 dropping dimes, then I think the Celtics are going to to win the series. Um, I came in thinking Celtics in seven. I'm going to say uh, Celtics in six by factoring in Chris Middleton's injury, but also giving the proper respect to the champions. Uh, I think the Celtics defense, the way they played against Brooklyn, the way they shut down Durant and Kyrie, that defense was amazing. And I don't expect them to shut down Giannis, but I expect them to be able to slow him down to some degree to 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 take him from Greek god to like <laughs> you know somewhat superhuman but not that level um i expect i expect him to frustrate him a little bit and and like you said earlier without middleton to create mm-hmm. um i i struggle to see how that secondary scoring is going to i don't know where that secondary secondary scoring is coming from with milwaukee so uh, my my prediction is going to be celtics in 6 so uh, we should also say third series in five years between these two teams. So there's a I lot know, of familiar faces. Uh, Joe Prunty. season yet. That's right. Yeah. Joe Prunty sadly no longer with uh, the Bucks coaching staff. Uh, fantastic, fantastic series back in 2018. Lots of great memories there, particularly of Tyler Zeller starting at center. But, <laughs> but, so the series means something. And I understand why the Celtics are favorites. And I think we've gone through this pretty evenly and we we understand where the strengths and weaknesses lie with both of these teams but i i can't i'm not going against Giannis. there's no possible way i could publicly say that i'm going against Giannis. uh but if the bucks are going to win this let me say this if the bucks win this series i think it's probably going the journey so i'm gonna yeah. have to say the defending champions in seven games <laughs> now let me let me just throw a couple more points in here that just popped into my head um the Ben uh, Sullivan uh, coming in and, you know, former Bucks assistant, he's going to have the dossier, right? He's going to oh, yeah. have a little bit of the dossier on these guys. And we've seen what Ime Odoka can do with a little bit of inside information. Uh, also, Ime Odoka was the defensive game planner for a series last year that the Bucks almost lost if it wasn't for Kevin Durant st- standing on that line. So I think, I think from a coaching perspective, the Celtics do have some advantages, uh, some inside information. Now, what good does that do? I don't know. The other thing, and I want to ask you about this before we go. Do you think Milwaukee's going to regret having lost intentionally so they could face Chicago and give up home court in this? They could have won that last game, and they could have faced Brooklyn, which would have been tougher than Chicago, but we saw how Brooklyn went out. You would have had home court. You're saying this would have to go to the journey to to you know. I love I love the uh, Australian way of saying that. That was actually pretty cool. Um, <laughs> but by doing that, they're gonna have to win a game seven in Boston and not at Fiserv. And I think that's a big deal. Yeah, 
I think if you just said it black and white, would you prefer to have game seven in your house? I think you yeah, obviously yeah. would. I do think that that's... <laughs> I, I've, I've found it a little bit amusing. I do think it is one of the, the more humorous narratives of the playoffs so far with the Celtics now bravely saying that they are the most courageous of NBA teams of all time, <laughs> willing to play any team. Like there wasn't some incentive for them to ensure that they didn't potentially slip to another seed. And we remember a few a week before that when they played the Bucs, they didn't play uh, some of their star players. Why didn't they play their players? People say it was a back-to-back. Well, the Bucs were playing their fourth game in five nights to end of the regular season. And it's one of those situations where you can't possibly win. Luka Doncic hurts his calf that night and everyone's like, why is Luka Doncic playing in this game that means nothing? The Bucs do this and all of a sudden they're scared. The Bucs have no reason to be scared. They didn't have home court in the finals. They didn't have home court against Brooklyn last year and it didn't worry them. So I push back on the on the courageous Celtics willing to take on everyone. The track team that, that, that uh, that's... Basketball to... team, not the track team, because we're not yes. running. Everybody. Yes, humor, <laughs> humorous line. stuff. Humorous <laughs> stuff from the Boston Celtics. Let's be clear. My my counterpoint to you is. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we shall see. And by the way, count, uh, one thing I will say that, like I said, the Bucks are like one and seven in game ones. They're not winning game one. Why do you want to instantly give up home court? Ease your way into the series. By the time game three rolls around, <laughs> the Bucks are starting to click. Uh, all right. Well, we'll see. And <laughs> we've got we've got a, we've got a big three day gap in I between know. games one and two, which is just wild. Um, I think that benefits Boston just a tick because of Al Horford. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he's so important, but he's also thirty five. He's going to turn thirty six <laughs> in June, so he's not yeah. he's an old thirty five. Uh, but he's been playing great, and so we'll see what happens. But um. In that three game, in the, that three days off, I would say we, you and That's I, have to reconvene and see how you're going to handle the Bucks being down to nothing. Well, it's a it's a comfortable space. Down to nothing against Brooklyn. Down to nothing against Phoenix. You think we're worried? You think we would be worried? No <laughs> No chance. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, that's fun. Uh, for those of you who are Milwaukee Bucks fans listening and you want to hate listen locked on Celtics, please do that. <laughs> for those Celtics fans who want to get all of the insights and uh, analysis from the local expert, Kane Pittman, uh, please follow Kane at Kane Pittman on Twitter and uh, listen to Lockdown Bucks. Uh, it's a lot of fun doing these crossovers. Thanks. Uh, thanks to Kane. Uh, thanks to me, I guess, yes, since I'm the one who's talking. Subscribe to each of our podcasts. Make sure that you've got um, uh, both of them on your first listen, second listen, uh, to get each perspective. It's very valuable because we only watch things from our perspective. So no matter which fan of you are, you want to see how the other side sees the same thing because we're watching the games a little bit differently. This way you get the whole picture and then you can decide for yourself. So thank you for subscribing. Check the shows out on YouTube. Check the show on YouTube. It's going to be a, a fun series. So subscribe. And if you are a subscriber, share the podcasts, both of them. Tell your friends. Tell everybody they should be listening to and watching Lockdown Celtics, Lockdown Bucks right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network.